You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning WA, this is the World Football Programme and I'm Sean Kelly. I will be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to uh, the boys for the uh, Songs for Ireland programme or the Celtic Ramblings now. Um, remember them too, They're just charming fellows. But thanks to them for the show and in two hours it will be the Jazz Programme. Joining me in the studio is the one and only Don Evans. Good morning, Don. How are you? Earth weather, Sean. You can Sorry, almost mate. feel you can almost feel spring in the air at, at the moment. It is an absolutely magnificent day for football. It, it is. Whoever's uh, going to be uh, out there and about there, the the playing conditions will be no excuse. Absolutely. Um, we've got a, a, a packed show today. We're going to start off talking with uh, Simon Hill, the the voice of football in Australia. Um, now with Optus. Yeah, we were just saying that, um, you know, how um, we were all concerned that, you know, we're going to lose Simon and then bang, you know, he lands on his feet and gets the gig with Optus and that's, it's great. You know, his his voice, his opinion uh, is always much respected. So I look forward to having a chat with Simon. Absolutely. Then we're going to follow up with the Floriat coach, um, Vaz View. Vujicic. Vujicic. Yeah, it's uh, the uh, the silent J, but um, yeah. Vass has stepped into some big shoes and uh, um, is guiding the ship, you know, very well for yeah. Florian. They they look as though they've got uh, a, a good, you know, finish to the season coming up. So yeah. um, very interesting league, the uh, the um, NPL. There's just so many uh, oh, I know, chances. I mean, look, look at Rockingham, the, yeah. you know, the giant killers last week <laughs> knocking off Bayswater at uh, Anything's at possible Drager. this year. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and then we're going to follow up with Mark Twamley from Forestfield. They had a whole weekend of events um, in memory of Rod Banjack last week. Um, Rod obviously um, passed away on us and the 
the boys at Forest Field obviously um, are touched by his presence and a great tribute to the man. Oh, look, all the feedback I got on that, uh, Sean, was massive crowd, um, massive emotions, um, a great little uh, uh, six-minute tribute put together by uh, Eamon and Murray from uh, our, our friends down uh, in the other studio. Um, yep. Let's Talk Football. They they just uh, that, uh, apparently it was a tearjerker. Everyone was just, you know, because Rod's voice was booming over the uh, speakers in the uh, in the stadium and yeah. uh, there was so much uh, like I say love and emotion and it's great to to see Forest Field and Dianella you know and all the football community showing uh, so much love and, and care for this man as I remember he never really needed the, the microphone and the speaker <laughs> you could hear him wherever no, he was <laughs> Rod definitely was a boombox for footballers for sure oh absolutely yeah. and then uh, last of the show will be with Steve Amphlett from ECU and a massive announcement this week, um, MPL for free, really, um, just for the price of the kit, um, which is a huge um, statement by the club. It's, it's, that is massive. And, and, you know, is this the new direction for uh, for our clubs to take? And, uh, you know, we'll really uh, pick uh, Sid's brains and, and get uh, get... Uh, to the nitty gritty of how how they can manage yeah. this. Because, well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I find it quite disturbing or, or disappointing that there's lots of commentary on there about you know stealing the the money from kids' development fees to to pay players. You you were a president of a club, Don. Yeah. How, how many cents from the from the juniors went into the seniors to fund their wages? Look, you know, I mean, I, I can hand on the heart say that whatever money we had coming through the juniors, we we invested in yeah. our juniors, and I think most clubs find other ways to, you know, and, and that's the mm. good clubs always have, you know, um, uh, uh, revenue raising uh, events to, to cover the wages of their players. I, I think it's pretty, it's almost like a, a, um, a false flag that people put up saying yeah. the juniors. At some clubs it might happen because the they might is, not, you, not You get be someone like the quality of Kenny Lowe, yeah. all right, and he's working full-time for the club in, in their youth development area and that's what he, he's headlining. Yep. That doesn't come for free. You've got to pay for the man's time. Yeah. And, I mean, these people, are, you know, as much as we all say, oh, you know, we love the game, we do it for the love of the game, all that sort of stuff, no, when, you, when you're dedicating this much time and, and uh, expertise, you, you know, that, that's you're taking yourself away from um, your, your own family mm. and your own ability to earn for your family. Yeah. So that's that's why people have to be remunerated. Oh, and, absolutely. And it, it does cost. We, uh, we've managed on the, the backs of volunteers for far too long, lots of clubs, have had coaches who've coached for next to nothing for, mm. for time. Yeah. As a president, um, you probably worked a full-time job and then did another 40 hours at the club for free. Yep, um, yep. that's it. It's you, the way it goes. That's the way it is. And uh, yeah. look, if it wasn't for generous sponsors who love our game, there are so many good people out there in the business community that uh, chip in and help out. Um, and also community-based clubs who have got their own, um, you know, uh, call it ethnic community to um, call on and um, do fundraisers and do dances and, um, you know, raffles and whatever. There's so many. Their chest ways. shaved or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, do the picnic yeah. with the kids, and you know, just um, there's so many ways to to raise money, and and you know, people at committee level just have to think sometimes um, a little bit outside the box to oh, get that revenue happening. But, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know of any clubs that are actually reliant on the kids' money to pay their no, their first no. I, look, I, I'd say it's it's a minority rather than yeah. a majority. I think most clubs have got their books well balanced um, in you know the seniors more or less. Um, being self-sustainable. 
And and what a week in football. The the big news obviously this week has been Barcelona and the eight two loss, and then the fallout after that with uh, Coman coming in as the ref as the uh, coach, mm. and um, then Messi wanting out after eighteen years at the club. It's just astounding that you could even have Messi leaving Barcelona in in a sentence. Twenty twenty will go down as one of the weirdest years in history in many ways. Yeah, Sean. absolutely. And, uh, and that one just topped it off. You know when when uh, when Barcelona gets smashed, and and actually it's not about. Barcelona getting smashed. It's about Bayern having such a great team and playing such brilliant football mm. and discovering so much talent. I and mean, one thing about Bayern Munich is they are good at finding quality players Absolutely, from all around are. the world. Yeah. Um, then the the, the A League final series, Gloria out of the finals. Yeah, that was sad. I mean, you know, like Liam Reddy's a, a, just a beacon for for our club. You know, he's stood tall all year, and that I one, know, you know, he had his pocket picked by that little, you know. But how many times? Rascal, you, how many you know? times do you see him do that in a game, and you think, yes. "Oh, it's going to happen. Someone's yeah. going to." And, he, and it happened. And it happened. Yeah, but, and it's know. sad that it happened in that game, and mm. you know, it wasn't because arguably the first goal put us out, but the, yeah. the second one just just sealed it. Um, unfortunate for him. Now we've got Franix left. There's talk of Popper going, um, and we've got the ACL hub coming up. So mm. you know. We're starting to lose players. We've got, I think, twelve registered players. They're going to make a decision on Dino soon. Yeah. All right. Let's have a, let's have a think about what the decision on Dino would be. Mm. I love Dino, but yeah. he's too old. Yeah, I think the the time's come for Dino to probably uh, come and enjoy himself at NPL level if he feels like it. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, he's doing well in his business. Doing very well. In his yeah. Business, so yeah. for me, look, this year again, a, a, just a you know what looked like a promising year looked like it was going to be. This is our year. Um, it just turned to mud in a weird sort of way, and uh, all these hubs and that uh, oh, just impacted look, it, on the team. When you go through it, you know, the Economides injury was was yeah. devastating. Castro then, not being able to well, continue all, on. And all the stuff about Castro in the last couple of days is a bit unsavoury. Yes, um, yeah. Then Woodrick going home. Yeah, you know we. Well, it, you know the wheels started falling off. Yeah. And, and that's really Popper was left with a you know pretty much a pat, patch patched up team. Blame it on the Rona. Blame. <laughs> <laughs> and um, again, I'm disappointed with with some of the people that are out there that you know bag his kids. I mean, his his kids are both playing at international level for their age groups. Yep. Um, they they are. Um, talented boys, mm. um, and we want to push youth. Maybe they won't WA youth, but yep. yeah. you know we, we need to be pushing the youth, and we'll talk to Sid later on about that. Yep. Um, other news: Aaron Mui to Shanghai. Wow, he's out of the Premier League and gone. Mm. Um, I thought he still had um, heaps more years left in the Premier League. Yeah, but you know, you know the, the, these Chinese clubs in come in waving bags of cash, rude money, and you know, the, yeah. you got as a footballer. With, and as you young as he is, up, don't you? he's he's probably looking at the last three to five years of his career at the top levels. Yep. Um, why not? Yeah, yeah, mate. When they offer you bags of cash and you're uh, you're, you're uh, only a footballer for so long, uh, yeah. you've got to make hay while the sun shines. That's for sure. And West Ham have made a big signing today. Oh, did we? Yeah, yeah, Emily Van Egmond. Oh, really? Yeah, in our women's team. Yeah, huge. Yeah, oh, haven't so signed any any male players yet. Hey, <laughs> mate, we're doing well in pre-season. We're looking real good. We beat yeah. Wickham, I think it was. Well, oh, we just... beat the mighty Wickham, did yeah. we? Yes, yeah, uh, amazing win. Oh, that's well beat. So we, it's going to be uh, ACL. We'll, we'll be top four. Oh, champions! Just League. on the back of that win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, like every season, oh, we, we are dreamers. <laughs> us hammers, I tell you, we, we are dreamers. We certainly are. All <laughs> right, we're going to go to some messages. We'll be back after those with the voice of Australian football, Simon Hill. 
Auswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We're the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame Western Australia recognising the Western Australian football community. Oh, and that happened very suddenly. All right, um, <laughs> I was just listening to it and then all of a sudden didn't switch over to the next thing. Never mind, um, the next best thing is our next guest, which is Simon Hill, who is now with Optus. Simon, good morning, how are you? Morning. Very well, guys. How are you? Good. Congratulations on your appointment with Optus. It's great to hear you back calling games and especially Champion uh, League games. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been really uh, exciting and um, hoping to continue that uh, that partnership over the next few months. Um, it's a, a great place to be and full of football people, producers, editors, presenters, pundits. So. Uh, yeah, I feel right at home because I'm a football person. Absolutely. Um, big news over the week and nothing's got bigger than the, the Messi debacle at uh, Barcelona and will he stay, will he go, will they let him go? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? Um, uh, he's got one year left on his contract. He seems pretty adamant that he's unhappy and wants to go and unless it's uh, you know political manoeuvring to... Uh, get rid of Bartomeu, the the president, who he clearly doesn't have a lot of time for. <laughs> uh, already, Tiki Setien, the coach, is gone, and Eric Abidal, the sporting director, is gone. Um, sort of brings into question the old saying, no player is bigger than the club, but it appears that uh, Leo Messi just might be. So, I don't know. I think this has got a bit to run. Uh, obviously, there's, there's a lot of speculation that you know he might sign for either Paris Saint-Germain or Man City or Juventus or or somewhere else. Um, personally, I, I hope he stays at Barcelona because he's, he's so synonymous with that club. But uh, clearly there has to be you know, massive changes for that even to be a, a remote possibility. You, yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't say no for Man City uh, t- taking him in his latter years, would you, Simon? No, I mean, obviously it'd be, it'd be lovely to you know, see him at my club. And I, I think from City's point of view, that it would probably sort of elevate their, you know, their global standing uh, which is, you know, probably important to them. And, I, you know, the rumours are, again, that they've, they've already held conversations with him. 
uh, whether the financial fair play rules might come into play, um, whether he can you know get his release from Barcelona without a fee. I, look, it's it's all in the lap of the gods, but it, yeah. it's a massive story, and um, you know he's he's the best player on the planet, along with Cristiano Ronaldo, and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating uh, to see where it lands. be interesting because, um, you know, Ronnie has played in the Premier League and there's always been some questions about whether Messi would survive a, a you know, a, a rainy afternoon in Burnley with someone like Troy Deeney bearing <laughs> down on him. Be but, okay. you know. <laughs> I think he'd be okay. I think he'd I mean, be. a guy with visibility, you know, yeah. he, he can play on the snow and ice, really, if necessary. So, uh, look, he'd, he'd probably come in for a bit of attention, um, but he's, had that his whole life and he's, he's good enough to be able to deal with that yeah. uh, I, I think in many ways you know at 33 uh, it might give him a new lease of life yeah. um, a, a change playing in a different environment different competition um, so I don't mm. know it's, it's fascinating but as I say I think from a, a purely traditional romantic point of view I'd, I'd like to see him stay at Barca because we don't see too many you know these club legends no. that, that stay with throughout their entire career and Messi is Barcelona really and Barcelona has become Messi over the years very hard to pick someone that's been at the club their entire career you know Noble and, and Messi are two that come to mind very quickly but after that you start to struggle mm. um, well, I was just saying to Sean before uh, Simon right. well, how good how good are Bayern Munich and you know at, at finding quality players and from all around the world they've just got that knack haven't they yeah and you know, they, they look in different places as well. They don't just look in the usual places. I mean, you look at Alfonso Davis, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, who came through from Vancouver Whitecaps and they got really for a, you know, a very cheap price and they've developed him quite quickly and, you know, he's probably one of the best left backs in the world at the moment. He's still only 19. Similarly, you know, a player called Sarpreet Singh that we know very well in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not frightened to go to uh, so-called outposts and and look for talent. And if they find one, they're, they're happy to try and develop it. I think the I think the figure was, I can't quite remember the exact figure, but I think they put together their entire squad for under $100 million, And of that, Manuel Neuer cost 27 mm. So, you know, it, it's pretty, in modern day terms, it's, it's pretty cheaply put together. Mm. Uh, and you consider some of the others like Serge Gnabry, who, you know, obviously remember in the Premier League struggled with Arsenal yep. and West Brom. And now all of a sudden he looks a world beater. So they've got something there in their DNA, haven't they? Certainly do. I was saying to a couple of people, Sean, just um, on the model of German football and how they run their leagues and how they've, you know, restructured their game and, mm. you know, how successful they've been at it and getting, you know, the fan bases back and the people having sense of ownership. I mean... Simon, do you think it's, it's not a it's, sense of ownership? But it is ownership. It is ownership. A lot, a lot yeah. of them are owners collectives. So, exactly. Yeah. So, is it is that a model that that we could adopt and work with here? You know, as a, as a you know, just a starting point for getting our game in Australia uh, structured pro- properly. Is, is there any any disgrace in mimicking the Germans if they're good at it? Uh, well, no. On 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 paper, the the, the fifty plus one model is uh, probably the best you know, the ownership model you can have because it, it sort of guarantees uh, that the club remain in community ownership while still having that commercial investment from big business. Obviously, mm. the Premier League works in a completely different way. In that a lot of these clubs are owned lock, stock and barrel by foreign owners, some of which are good, but, uh, you know, some of them 
take the club for a ride or asset strip, etc., etc. Mm. The problem in Australia, it's not that the model is incorrect for us. It's that, uh, you know, we, we don't have uh, a huge amount of people looking to invest in football. So mm. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult. Um, you know, in Europe and the rest of the world, football is the main game. There's no shortage of people looking to invest. Um, we just don't have that, unfortunately. Mm. And mm. we also don't have big TV deals uh, to sustain you know, the clubs going forward, at least not yet anyway. No. So it's all very well saying that's the model we should follow. I don't disagree. But, uh, you know, the, the whole ecosystem here has to go up three, four, maybe even five levels. Oh, absolutely. Think I, about that. And we've got to believe in ourselves and believe in, in the the, um, the amount of influence we actually do have because, you know, it is – by far and away, the, the the largest populace that plays that sport is you know is football. So we we're um, we've got the numbers. We just don't have the belief in ourselves. And I suppose um, nice. Well, things. I think I think it's, I think it's, look, I agree in in some ways, but I think it's it's more complex than that. And yeah. that's yes, we, we've got those participation numbers, but you know they, they are very disconnected from the A League. Mm. Uh, we have these this much quoted two million player base, which is fantastic. Um, but you know as well as I, if you, if you go and play community football, and, and I certainly do, if you're getting changed for training on a Wednesday night, um, most of your teammates are not talking about Sydney FC or Perth Glory or, or Melbourne Victory. If they're talking about football at all, it, it's about Man United, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Barcelona. And yeah. more often than not, they're talking about Rugby League in the East or Aussie Rules in the West. Yeah. So, you know, it's... This is a whole cultural problem that we have with the game, and people play it for lots of different reasons, for fitness, for fun, because their mates do, et cetera, et cetera. It, you know, I, I always use the example of, of tennis. I, I play a bit of social tennis, and I really like the game. But is that going to make me go and buy tickets for the Australian Open? Mm. No chance. No. no. Now, the, the FFA have made some important announcements the last few weeks. Um, Rob Sherman obviously left very unhappy with the, the shape of, of football halfway through a review of the NPL and the, the pathway for, for youth. Um, his replacement has been announced in, in Trevor Morgan with Ron Smith as the um, TD. So, well, not TD, but the con- t- technical consultant. What's your p- view on, on those appointments? Well, in terms of the individuals, uh, they're perfectly well-credentialed. Yep. Um, I know Trevor. Uh, he took the Joeys to the World Cup last year. He's been involved in football development for a long, long time. Very well-respected. Uh, Ron Smith, of course, you know his reputation speaks for itself. Brought all those wonderful players through the AIS. So uh, there's nothing wrong with the individuals. Um, it's whether the system's going to allow them uh, to <coughs> needs to be done mm. and you know that that's the the roadblock that rob sherman came up against who is equally well credentialed by the way and you know more than capable of of uh putting his blueprint and his footprint on on everything here but he got frustrated because uh, and this quote sort of resonates with me he, he said the game here operates in silos mm. and he's so right um, you know, Football West does one thing, Football mm-hmm. Victoria does another. The MPL clubs in Queensland do something completely different. And the FFA is at the head of it all, but really has seemingly very little control over all of it. Mm-hmm. So until we get everybody rowing in the right direction, 
uh, and actually on the same page with regards to development, coach developments, um, you know, national second divisions, all, all the rest of it. Yeah. And I'll give you a, a one little example if you if you've got time. Yeah. You know, a couple of months ago, Football Queensland put out a message saying we're, we're conducting a statewide survey. Uh, what do you think football should look like post COVID? Which is brilliant. There's nothing wrong with the consultation process. But if Football Queensland then comes back with all those results and goes right, here's what we're doing. Two years ago, Football Victoria did the same thing. Football West might do a similar thing, and Football Northern Territory might do. You end up with nine different plans, and all totally independent of what the FFA might be thinking. Mm. So my question is, are all these surveys and all these results, are they all coordinated into one you know, specific general nationwide plan, or do we just continue, as Rob Sherman indicated, to operate in silos? In which case, Trevor Morgan and Ron Smith will not succeed mm. because the states and the clubs and all the different stakeholders continue to go off in their own sweet way and do their own thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that was the frustration, at least for these two guys. They understand the Australian system, uh, both been around for a long, long time within the system and the politics. So I think maybe they, they won't be as surprised as Rob with, was with those pushbacks and the, the political I'm elements. I'm not sure Rob was surprised either, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but he was frustrated. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, look, I, I wish them all the very best. I, I hope that they are able to succeed. Um, yeah, I, I have my doubts whether they'll be able to because of what I've mentioned. But yeah. uh, that, that's that's part of, I, I think, bigger governance reform that the game still needs mm. at that level if we're ever going to achieve our potential. But that's probably a different story. Yeah, look, I, I've got an opinion just on the, the yeah. silo uh, sort of theory. And uh, when, when we uh, handed over our old Soccer West Coast uh, to the new uh, Football West, which basically got uh, our state government interested here in WA at uh, finally looking at our sport and giving it some much needed assistance. Um, it, it came with, um, you know, we thought it was going to be a new era and, you know, we were basically going to open up uh, a pathway for more improvement to our game, but also our game becoming more affordable at local level here in WA. And I think initially when we started the... Um, NTC programs and mm. that we were pretty much like a um, let's call it the guinea pig for yep. FFA uh, to to see how it worked over in WA and whether we were all prepared to you know come over into the new world and we did and I was a president of a club at that time and I was, was also on the board of the old Soccer West Coast and and I invited uh, our now um, minister for uh, well he's the one taking on Clive Palmer at the moment John Quigley yeah. <laughs> so uh, Quiggers came on and uh, helped you know came on to the board of Soccer West Coast and prepared the death of Soccer West Coast uh, or the tidy up of yeah. that you know let's call it um, fractured system and prepared it for the new Football West which was having the referees under the, the same umbrella the uh, amateurs the, uh, basically uniting football here in WA and we thought that was going to be you know the, the new beginning and that was back oh god I think it was about 2004 5 yeah, 6 somewhere around there yeah. I lost track um, and and then then we had FFA come in and say this is the brave new world that we want you all to implement here in WA what we felt what I felt personally was what's ha what happens in Sydney and Victoria and the economics of those states uh, in particular with the pokies and the revenue streams that they were able to get 
just doesn't happen over here. We we were we were basically WA is still uh, pretty much uh, an underfunded state, and if we got any good players, they basically head over east because of mm. the money drag, right? So we we found ourselves more or less not not progressing. We were just going around in circles and dancing to the tune of FFA and and registering more people. So the cash was coming in, uh, but it was all funneling straight out of WA and going into the New South Wales coffers to prop, you know build up the game at the at the top level. We didn't see anything coming back, and what I've what I've said to our football West people here is, WA is a unique state in terms of we've got the tyranny of distance, we've got the regions that have to be serviced, we've got so much that you know. Um, we've got to cover for the code of football and it almost has to be run in in a silo of its own but with um the the uh, call it the governing the body problem, it is the, the problem, problem. Mm. It's, that's it, the problem because every every state believes it's unique yeah um you know are you uh, is football west any more unique than football northern territory any more remote than northern territory Probably or, not. or uh, parts, parts of queensland or mm. or you know, Tasmania, this is the issue. Look, you will always need local representation to mm. implement local solutions for local problems. And, of course, there are, you know, Perth is not the same as Sydney. They're, they're different places with, with, you know, different uh, ecosystems and different football problems. So I'm not saying that everything should be run out of head office. You're always going to need those local boards. But what we've got at the moment is a system whereby uh, the Congress and the way that, uh, you know, things are decided are hijacked by all these separate uh, interests. And there needs to be a central direction. If we if we just say, well, you know, Football West has to operate because you're unique mm. in a different way, then you're never going to get central policy. I, I don't see that the uh, – look, correct me if I'm wrong, I know nothing about Aussie rules, mm. uh, freely admit, but I know that their governance is very, very uh, streamlined. And everything comes out of head office in Punt Road or wherever it is that they're, they're based, and everybody falls in lockstep behind uh, whatever Gillan McLaughlin or, or you know head office decides. That's what we have to get to that point mm. where we have a central plan that everybody goes, yeah, look, that might not suit us a hundred percent, and we can maybe tweak around the edges, but we've got to fall into line with this because that's what is best for the game nationally mm. and that's our problem we all look inwards parochially towards our own little small piece of the pie and i get it because yep. it's yep. a big country but uh, until we do that we will continue to operate in those silos mm. and things will never get done yep no. never and then that ties into the the next appointment which was um peter philopoulos as the head of marketing and corporate affairs you'd think he would be on the front line of that alignment you talk of? Well, yeah. I mean, to a certain degree, I think his, you know, his job will be uh, to try and rebuild a lot of relationships, both within corporate Australia, within governments, yeah. within the media, such as the media is <laughs> left in terms of football in this country. Um, so he's, he's got a big job on his hands. Um, and, you know, I think also the FFA and the sport in this country or the people that run it have... I've got to have a bit of a cultural mind shift as well from mm. being just operational and being facilitators of players and coaches. They've got to become content providers. Yeah. Because long term, that you know, the, the health of the game is is going to exist on its on its own terms. 
and we have to uh, create our own media platforms because the mainstream media is not going to do it for us. They've made that quite clear over no. the last 12, 18 months that they essentially have no interest in our game and they are not going to pay for it beyond next year. No, and so it, it does have a history, that's, though. That's a very important problem that has to be resolved, and very quickly. Yeah, mm. but it's very similar to the job he took on when he, he came into glory. It was just after the uh, salary cap scandal, and the brand was very damaged, and the, the corporate structure needed a lot of rebuilding. So He's a Mr. Fix-It. He, he yeah. really did set up the plan for the next five years for the glory, and, mm. and although he's no longer there, they're still working roughly to his yeah. plan, and mm. the membership has increased, their profile increased, the damage to the brand has been... Um, pretty much repaired. And then he went to Victoria as the CEO of, of um, Football Victoria. And some and great initiatives. Great initiatives yeah. there and, and secured government funding for their facilities, mm. which is something we don't do here. Um, you know, I think he's, he's, he's obviously an achiever and he is a very, very good networker. Mm. I think it's a great appointment by the FFA. Yeah. Look, uh, Pete. I know Pete reasonably well. I think he did a great job with Perth. He's done a similarly good job with uh, Football Victoria. He's a football person. He's got it in his DNA. Mm. Uh, he's a hard worker, as you say. He's got good contacts. So um, I, I, th- I think it's a very strong appointment. And again, you know, to be fair to James Johnson and the FFA at the moment, they get a lot of stick for, oh, you know, you're an organisation that's run by non-football people. He's got <laughs> he's got quite a lot of football people in there at the moment. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that... If you feel the game and you understand its problems instinctively, then perhaps we can find you know better solutions. And uh, I, I wish Pete all the very best. I think he'll do a good job. Yeah, I think it's a, a long boat to call Pete a non-football person. <laughs> he lives and breathes the game. Yeah, yeah no, he, look, he, he'll be a great appointment. Yep. Um, the A-League final is now upon us. Um, again, although we've gone through this playoff system, the top two are the two that are playing off for the final. Um, you know, I know. What's the capacity that they're allowing in the ground? As in, what what crowd will they allow, if any? Uh, I'm told that, I'm told it's about twenty five percent of capacity. So I think okay. there'll be about seven and a half thousand people there tomorrow. Okay. Oh, well, that'll that'll create some atmosphere, better yeah. than none. But, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, there's there's been talk about the salary cap and everything, and uh, Young Roston Griffiths at Melbourne City leading, leading yeah. the speak there from the players. What, what's your thoughts? Um, can we afford, um, you know, well, to cut our salary uh, and and lose the quality? Well, I don't think there's going to be much choice, is there? Mm. Um, because the game can't live beyond its means. Um, so, given that the TV deal is virtually halved. Uh, and we've lost or are about to lose Hyundai as the naming rights sponsor for the A-League. I don't know if there's a replacement on the horizon. I certainly haven't heard anybody. Mm. Um, we've lost Caltex as a nas- national team sponsor. You know, the, the game is, is in pretty bad shape financially. Mm. Um, so, of course, that's going to be reflected in player wages. I feel for the players, um, you know, that they've taken a massive cut just to get the season finished. Uh, and, of course, it's going to affect quality, uh, you know, going forward if we have a cut to, for example, maybe $2 million. Um, But it does, you know, prevent, present then an opportunity for, for young players to come through, which is, you know, partly the brief of the A-League to develop young talent. Mm. Um, and if we lose players to Asia or other competitions, well, uh, I just don't see what we can do about it, to be honest. That's yeah. just the, the, the pure economic reality of where football is at at the moment. And it must be said also, you know, a damning indictment of the way that 
the league has been operated over the last three or four years. Uh, COVID has been obviously a nightmare for all codes. Nobody could have predicted that. But, uh, you know, we were on that slippery slope already um, because of the last three or four years where all the stakeholders were too busy playing politics with each other uh, and not focusing on what needed to be done with the A-League in particular. And I suppose the next focus coming up would be the Women's World Cup and, and what a wonderful opportunity to reinvigorate interest in the game, uh, promotion of the game TV um, and all the other um, parts of that game that need to be promoted. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Women's World Cup is obviously three years away, but uh, it's, it's a great thing to, you know, to have coming up. There's going to be a lengthy build-up. Uh, obviously, the, you know, we, the, the W need, the W League needs some attention. Uh, we've no idea when that's going to restart. Um, in fact, at the moment, there's, there's no firm date as to when the A League is going to restart. Mm. And I've heard various dates. You know, December, I think, was put out there originally. But I've heard January, I've heard February, I've heard you know, even as late as March next year. Um, so everything is up in the air. I, I think they wanted to get this season completed, which, to, to their credit, they've managed to do, which has been tricky. Yeah, uh, to say the least. Mm. But uh, you know, it'll it'll finish tomorrow, and then there's some clear air for them to take a breath and go right. Okay, w- what does the future look like? Um, but they've got to find answers pretty quickly because uh, yeah, this game's in a fair bit of trouble. Let's be honest. Mm. Mm. No, without a doubt. All right, Simon. Um, thank you very much for your views. Um, always wonderful to talk to you, and you, you get your view on things. Um, talk an awful lot of sense. <laughs> Pleasure, guys. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, Likewise. great to hear you on Optus there, Simon. Well done. Thanks, mate. Cheers. See ya. Bye. Simon Hill doing wonderful things over there at Optus. Always got an opinion on the game and very hard to argue against him on anything he says because he's such a knowledgeable person. Yep, he is. And um, forthright, doesn't pull punches, just yeah, calls it as, as it is. That's what we like about Simon. He's um, he's got got the finger on the pulse, and he and it's good because he's sort of he's really oh, I consider him a new Australian. You yeah, know, like, absolutely. So he he's is. uncontaminated about yeah. the past. He's just coming in and saying, "Hey, this is how it is." Absolutely. Now the MPL is out today. Um, what are, what are the fixtures out there? Well, the NPL today is looking pretty exciting, uh, and and uh, there's a few tricky games in uh, in this round here. Which there's um, always a few tricky <laughs> games. Well and truly, yeah. I mean, Armadale taking on the Glory Boys at home. That's yep. going to be a tough uh, initiation for the kids uh, travelling down down to Alfred Skeet Reserve. Yep. Um, Armadale always up for a battle down there. Gwellup, who uh, were basically. Uh, uh, su- surprise losers last week. Uh, that they're taking on Bayswater back on their home turf, so they'll be uh, pretty uh, confident that they can make amends down down at um, the Gwellup Complex. Athena, uh, Florida Athena, taking on Sorrento. That's a tricky game. Mm. Uh, Athena been in great form, um, and you know, pretty much just going about their business in a tradesman-like uh, way that win against Inglewood, which we'll talk with, to yeah. Vass about, was um, really, um, you know, one that was... It was a tough, well-earned win. And uh, at home against a Sereno side who... Um, um, they they can they can really um, catch you unawares. So On their day, they can beat anyone. They can. Yeah. So that one there, yeah. I'll, I'll put as a, 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 a... There's no gimme there. ECU no. June Lup taking on Perth. Another, I mean, 
Perth this year have been, let, let's just say, not not quite at their best. They've not been Perth, have they? Not been the the, the domineering Perth yeah. that they've uh, tend to be. But um, ECU, who Sid will tell us will be favourites for this game because uh, they, they they they've got a bit of a swagger now. They've had uh, you know Kenny's got them back back on uh, on track. Mm-hmm. So at the campus, another tight game there. Balcatter at home against Inglewood. Uh, Inglewood weren't weren't uh, disgraced last week in their loss against Athena, and were probably if if they sort of uh, had had their say, they would have felt that they should have got something. Very out of the even game. game that one. Yeah, so Balcat and Inglewood, another even game, and and then Rockingham against Coburn. I mean, Coburn are having are having a really uh, uh, good run this year. Uh, Scotty Miller would be really pleased with his young boys all starting to gel. Uh, they, they're fourth on the ladder. So, but Rocky knocked off Bayswater. Uh, and now they're back at home. So, you know, you just can't – it's very tricky, Sean. I can't uh, – th- this week's round is probably one that I just sit on the fence from just about every game. Five, six draws. <laughs> Such un- it's so unlike you, Don. It's just not me, is <laughs> no, it? No, it's not. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after that with uh, Vaz Vojasic of Floria, and we'll talk to him about last week's game and the rest of the season. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. 107.9 FM, your local station. Okay, young Vaz is not on the phone. If you're there, mate, um, pick up the phone. Uh, We'll try and and contact you. In Division 1, Don, there's uh, another big round of fixtures today as well. Yeah, definitely is, Sean. Um, You know, uh, I think the Div 1 comp is just as uh, exciting as the NPL. It's been uh, a real, real... um, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, a tussle for um, you know domination. Who? Yeah, the, the top sides. I think the the five top sides are broken away from the others, but um, it's a very very close comp still. Um, and I think now the injuries and suspensions are starting to kick in. So 
Um, yeah, it's that funny time of year where everybody struggles to to put a side out one week or the next. Yeah, well, the big upset was uh, last week, uh, Western Knights, you know, losing to Mandra at home. Mm. Um, so definitely, um, you know, anyone can beat anyone in that league again. And uh, this week, Ashfield taking on Quinns uh, at home. Um, Ashy looking uh, looking as though things are starting to sort of turn around. Uh, they, they, Subi uh, gave them a touch-up last week, but... Uh, so, yeah. Know. Oh, look. I think the, the the narrative behind that is I think we were missing four or five first pick players, oh, there, yeah. uh, and okay. again this week we're much the same with injuries and suspension. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, the the young boys are doing okay. I'm I'm happy with them. Yep. They were competitive last week. Well, I mean, two week two weeks ago the win against Swan would have been uh, you know a, a bit of a morale booster. Uh, it was an emphatic uh, win against it, Swan. It yeah. was. Yeah. So this this week uh, at at home against a real tough uh, Quinn side. Uh, yep. Well coached as well, so that that'll be a task. Joondalup United against Mandra City, that'll be a cracking game uh, down at Joondalup. Um, Mandra back, back, uh, you know, l- looking like contenders back in the top four. Um, Forestfield Western Knights, another cracking game um, down at uh, the Forestfield Complex down there. That'll be uh, pretty well. We'll get the rundown uh, later from from the Forest Camp when we. Talk to uh, is it Mark? Let's Mark, come yeah. on. Yep. So that we'll get the run down there. Vass is ready to go. By the way, uh, um, Sean. So get in touch with him now. Fremantle City taking on Swan United. Uh, an, another interesting game. Swan. Um, Swan got a little bit of a touch up from Sterling Lions last week, who who finally uh, seemed to hit their straps um, after an indifferent sort of start to the season. I know that the Sterling boys picked up a few few uh, ex players who were in Melbourne, and uh, that that those boys are now starting to get their match fitness and looking good for the Lions. So um, they they uh, will be on show against UWA down at Macedonia Parks. Uh, Sterling Lions taking on UWA Netherlands, another good encounter and Kingsway Olympic the Green Machine taking on Subiaco that wraps up the uh, Div 1 games and uh, yeah um, again some real good uh, good contests there Sean oh look it's a it's a very very tough competition mm. um, different people are taking different approaches and I think you know this year is really a, a good year to experiment some some teams like Western Knights um, you know really had a, a good side and they were trying to keep that together and and keep them for, for next season. Fremantle are trying to build for next year. Forestfield, again, you know, they've just got a good side out there. There's, mm. there really is no weak sides in that league. And even, uh, don't you say Mandra, mm. um, Mandra are always, it's always a tough gig oh, yeah. to play Mandra. Yep, yep. They're, they're uh, a very proud club. And, uh, yeah, they were an NPL club. And uh, I'm sure they'll be wanting, uh, they'll have aspirations to become one again in the Yeah, I think there's most of the sides in there have been at the, Apart from Quinn's, probably everyone else has been in the top level at one stage or another. So, very important uh, league that one. But um, a guy who's um, watching his side perform week in, week out um, with pretty—I uh, won't call it um, a degree of comfort on the bench for you there, Vass. But uh, you definitely—you've uh, you, got a, a team that's ticking along nicely at uh, this stage of the season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they've um, they've been doing quite well over the last few weeks. So, um, yeah, I won't say it's been comfortable, but yeah, it's been a series of good performances. Uh, they've worked hard. They've been quite disciplined. 
So we've got some good team spirit as well, which is good. So it's been quite enjoyable. What what I noticed about last week's win was um, the the young boys who came in and slotted in uh, comfortably into the side, uh, whether they be in the defence or um, you know just around around the ground providing that run. Um, you, you've seemed to have found some really good depth. Your your reserves and your in your under 18s are, are stronger than they've ever been at the club before. Is that helping you when uh, when you need to sort of uh, rest some of the senior players who who might be feeling a little bit proppy? Yeah, it's been um, it's been good to actually have some decent depth at the club. Um, yeah, over the years it's been a bit inconsistent, especially the uh, 20s competition. Uh, yeah, that. Our, our squad's pretty pretty deep, but we've got some good youth in that actual squad. But then also, the, yeah, probably pretty good this year. They've been performing well. Um, so, yeah, it just gives you a bit more confidence in bringing guys in if you need a rest of mine. And we've had a few years lately as well, which is, um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, the game against Inglewood on the weekend was uh, pretty uh, pretty even uh, first half. It was uh, a real arm wrestle for who was going to you know get uh, get control of the game and uh, some key changes that you made at half time uh, with Ludo Boy coming on and uh, one of the other lads uh, who whose name escapes me uh, ca- came yeah, on. Yes, yeah, yeah, they provided that spark that you needed uh, to get. Uh, things going and uh, and then when you scored the first and and uh, and soon after the second it, it's pretty much uh, killed the game and uh, the boys held on for a good win. Yeah, they, yeah, they, the changes, yeah, they did sort of inject a little bit of energy. We were sort of because I was sitting so deep and we were pretty patient with the ball, mm. but we were having trouble penetrating, and so yeah, it was kind of got a bit slow towards the end of the second half, first half, sorry. Um, yeah, but then with Ludo and Ben sort of, yeah, picked up here and put a bit of pressure on them, got them sort of uh, out of their positions a bit more and, yeah, I thought we um, yeah, did well the second half. I said to Sean, today's game's going to be uh, a, a different sort of game. Sorrento always a tough team, uh, and you know they they know how to uh, grind grind away at teams, and they do play uh, you know that's called an exciting brand of football. They come at you; they're not shy to have a crack, so they won't just uh, sit and and, um, and and wait for you guys to make the play. They'll they'll come at you as well. With um, in particular one of their goal scorers who's uh, been in great form this year. Um, in Cameron Tease. Um yeah, I mean, how do you see today's game, uh, you know, shaping up for the team, Vass? Well, exactly how you said, yeah, I think they'll come at us, yeah. They, James' team's always quite energetic and aggressive and competitive, so, um, yeah, we no different today, and they're on a good run as well. They've got, they've been six games, I think, undefeated, so, mm. you know, they want to cement their place in the top, top six as high as they can, so... Um, yeah, no, it won't be an easy game at all. So, um, yeah, we, we, again, we'll just try and, uh, pick our game plan. You know, we're, we're quite competitive as well. So, yeah, I think it'll be quite a good game, actually. So just looking further up uh, up the chain uh, in terms of what's coming in the final series, you guys are the first to uh, cement your spot there. How do you prepare for this final series, and what you know? Like, just explain to the listeners how this final series will be. It's actually a top six where everyone plays everyone. Is that how it's going to be? Yeah, well, we haven't had too much information. Um, just yeah, we know that yeah, we'll be split to the top six. We'll play each other one. Mm-hmm. We're not sure exactly how they're going to draw it out. Who gets home games or 
yeah, sort of waiting for them to inform us. But yeah, yep. we play each other once, and then the top three will make the semis. Yeah, and the bottom six, the top team from the bottom six, will make the semis as well. So. Well, mm, and I think it depends yeah, on. It's a bit interesting. That's it, different, isn't it? The, yeah. So mediocrity yeah. is rewarded by. So if you finish in the bottom six, at the top of it, you actually go into the final four. It's almost like. But, that, but I think it also <laughs> depends on what teams you've played away or home. So if you played that team away, when you meet them in this next round, you'll play them at home. Ah, uh, right. So th- th- there'll be. Oh, that... Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, exactly. That's uh, there's there's a bit of logic there, which is good. Um, yeah. So today, just uh, another another uh, tough encounter for you guys. I'm sure you'll have uh, all, all the players um, fit and available, Vass, or you're looking at resting uh, a couple of players with uh, niggles. Yeah, there'll be a few people um, players rested. Uh, we still have a few injuries, so yeah, we're just being a bit smart. So mm. yeah, we'll have a few young guys playing today, so um, they'll get a bit of an opportunity. Um, yeah, because everything now we've sort of, we made the top six, so it all sort of uh, all the focus goes on the finals. So, uh, but we we'll, we'll have a competitive side out there today. Yep, and we'll yeah we expect a, a good performance. Yeah, no, I, I think the way uh, the boys are playing, they they will be favourites to win today. But uh, again, uh, you, you never underestimate Sorrento. And then the following week, you back it up with the last game of the season, uh, the abbreviated season uh, at Bayswater City, which um, always a strong rivalry between uh, Bayswater City and Florida Athena. Those games are always pretty spicy. Yeah, they're, they're my, my first club as well. So, yeah, I like shaping up against them. Um, they're always competitive as well. James Coyne always has a well-organised side. So, um, yeah, we just try and get through that game as well. And, yeah, the, um, the focus for that first week of the finals. Yeah, now, Vaz, um, I suppose one of those things as a coach coming in, you, you, were, you were handed a pretty decent side by, by a very good coach. Um, does that put a lot of pressure on you or, or did... Do you think, oh, no, that's great, this this team can perform on its own no matter what I do? Or, um, I mean, I I think it would be easy to take on a team that was at the lower end of the, the league and not doing so well and improve them. But when you've got a team that was as good as Ante had it, um, maintaining that would, was always going to be your test. Of course, yeah. I mean, you always have pressure as a coach of Athena. Yeah. There's always big expectation. Um, yeah. I think in general it's... it's pretty difficult to take over a successful side because, yeah, that expectation is there. Um, but, yeah, I was there as assistant, so I think um, the familiarity of having me around, I think, um, helped as well. Yeah. So I think the players are fairly comfortable and, yeah, we try not to disrupt too much, but um, at the same time, yeah, trying to put my um, my uh, swing on things, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's, it's an interesting, just an interesting thing that, you know, the, there is an awful lot of pressure on you. You were the assistant. You've stepped up into the, the boss role. Um, if you, if the team doesn't stay in the same position, then does that make it harder for you for next year? Or if you improve, are you then, you know, the, the person for the next year or two? I mean, obviously you'd like to be the head coach there for the next two, three seasons. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Of course I would. Yeah. Um, I'm a Athena guy from, for a long time now. I've been there almost 20 years, so um, I think I've got the club's interest at hand. And I, um, yeah, I mean, going forward, the club 
just uh, I think they're happy with the situation at the moment. So um, at the end of the season, we'll have to yeah, evaluate how we've gone and what we want to do, and yeah, take from there. Mm. And how does your philosophy just differ from Ante's? It'd be similar, but obviously you, like you said, you want to put your own swing on it. What is your own swing? Um, yeah, just some minor differences. I've known Ante for a long time. We played together at Cena, and uh, yeah, we talk a lot of football. And uh, yeah, we agree on a lot of things. Yeah, minor, minor, small differences, but nothing major. Um, obviously, like a defensive organisation. Um, yeah, also like playing out with the ball. Like a in a constructive way, um, yeah. So it's not too not not a major difference, but um, yeah, just small little things here and there. And was what's your your biggest bugbear as a coach? What's the one thing you hate seeing players or teams do? <laughs> Put me on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, there'd be heaps, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, some people just hate long ball, you know, that, that it's a direct approach, but if that's all you, you've got, then that's, you know, it's pretty one-dimensional. Um, there are players or, or coaches that just love to play people out of position for some reason. I don't know why that is. But, you know, there's, there's there'll be so many different things. It just, you know, um, must be one thing that really irks you when you, you're doing it. I don't know whether it's, you know, a coach that, Encourages people to foul or whatever. I don't know. It'd be something along the lines of that. I'm, I'm probably the, the first thing, like from, from a place point of view. Yeah, there's a lack of effort. I think that's number one. Yeah. Um, like yeah, application. I think that's that's the number one thing. If you apply yourself, you're, you're halfway there. Um, ability is important, but yeah, your application. I think at this level, you can sort of um, get quite good placement. And um, and what yeah. about discipline for the players? I mean. Uh, I've seen players this season get sent off uh, for talking back to referees, which is just dumb. Um, and, you know, you've got some, some really good quality players there who, but for a red card here and there, could could have been the, the champions of this league, you know. Um, how do you how do you change that? Or how do you, you address that with a player who's, you know, got a reputation like that? Oh, not really. I, I, I sort of understand when you're competitive, you sort of, um, yeah, you sort of can't help yourself at times. <clears throat> but, yeah, obviously you've got to be smart. You can't do things silly. So, yeah, we'll try and address it. But, yeah, um, I sort of understand too. You know, sometimes it gets better of them. Mm. No, no, look, it's, it's an emotional game. It's a very frustrating game. But, um, you know, sometimes you, you just see people who, I'm not saying they do it, all the, well, no, they do it all the time. <laughs> they, they just don't stop baiting referees or what have you. Badgering. Badgering. And... I, can't say was, I can't say I was the best of that. I was just like, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's just hard. You get from frustration and you've had a few points. You know, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, yeah, you just need to rein it in. You need to control it. But, um, yeah, it is disappointing when you when you do get sent off and let your team down. We had Nelson sent off the... Earlier in the season, for slapping out of the player, so that was yeah, yeah, disappointing. But yeah, sometimes you can't help it. And and with with your club, Don's mentioned about the uh, young players coming through. Who who do you tip as a young star coming through? You want to keep him secret because no one else knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to single anyone out, but we've got a few. Yeah, there's definitely a few coming through. Uh, yeah, uh, there's one uh, Andrew. 
Ranta, he'll be playing today. So he's um he's only young, he's only seventeen. So he's uh, got some ability, got good energy about him. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's a few a few others there. So um, we're trying to feature them as much as we can. Luka Ninkovic, uh, Ninkovic coming back from uh, Melbourne has been a good pickup for the club. Uh, he, he looks as though he's uh, able to uh, play that number 10 role uh, up there with um, just behind uh, um, Noah Shamaki, who's uh, pretty much the pivot point for the team. Um, able to hold the ball up, big, strong unit. Um, he's, he's definitely added a bit to the team. Definitely, yeah. He's, he's a quality player and... Uh... Yeah, it's just a bit of a weird situation now he's um, coming back from Melbourne and having to go through the Divi 2 Balgas side. So, um, but no, we were glad to have him. He had a few more problems for me too. <laughs> but he has depth. Um, yeah, he's a quality player. So, um, yeah, with everyone fit, I think we're going to have some hard decisions to make in the coming weeks. Yeah, there's the sorts of headaches a coach welcomes though. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good headaches to have to mm, select absolutely. selection desk when you're going off. Oh. All right, mate. Yeah. Well, look, uh, best of luck this afternoon. Um, sounds like it'll be a terrific game if um, anyone uh, wants to go and watch a, a quality game and head off down there and, and, and watch you guys play. Um, so best of luck this afternoon. I can recommend the Savlakis. They they go down well. <laughs> <laughs> See you down there, Vass. All See the best today. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. See ya. Yeah, look, it's a it's a big ask. I mean, uh, you, Ante is is a big man, not just physically, oh, huge, but yeah, you know, huge boots to fill. Huge boots know, to fill. So, and and, and Vass is pretty much um, a quiet achiever. He's yep. he's not really your um, you know, uh, well, a, a, a recognised coach. If there's such a mm. thing as a recognised coach, he's he's now trying to cut his own own path, and um, you know, he's taken the reins. And I, I think he's um, he, he's just. But basically, it's been a smooth transition. Yeah. You know? So and, and well, look. seamless, hasn't it? I mean, the, and the, you know how forgiving they are over at Floria. If if, they, <laughs> if, if he'd handed over, old at, Nick Sedillis up there in the stand. <laughs> if they'd been handed over at second second position and yeah. they dropped to third or fourth, it would be you know, let's start looking for a new coach. <laughs> It'd be like a Greek tragedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a very good squad, but yeah. a very good squad also needs a good coach. Yes. Um, and you know, you you can certainly mess up the recipe very quickly if you don't. For sure. So it's it's good that he's been able to just slide in and being the assist obviously has helped him. But yep. um you know he's um obviously wants to be the first team coach and the only way to do that is to keep the pressure on and keep the boys working. Yep. And like I say, he's uh, he's slotted in doing doing a great job and um just like uh, Tacky at uh at Gwellup, you know, another another young coach um Really uh, ha- having a decent season with a new team, you know, yep. the newly promoted team sitting second on the ladder. And then, you know, you've got the experience of Jamie Harnwell, you know, yep. sitting on third. So, and, and then Scotty Miller at Coburn sitting in fourth. And then Kenny Lowe at fifth, you know. So look at that, that coaching depth there. It's mm. just, um, you know, Coiny at, at sixth, you know. I know. You just, you, you, the whole, whole league, you know, Ramon at Perth and, uh, you know, um, John O'Reilly, John Armadale, O'Reilly and yeah. Armadale, you know, um, uh, the boys at Inglewood. Um, uh, Andre uh, Oliveras, yeah. Andreas, um, you know, just 
some some seriously good coaching staff all the way through. So uh, and a good spread of young coaches and and older experienced coaches. And then when you, it doesn't change when you get into Divi One with uh, me and Ferguson over at Queens. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> you know, you talk about quality all yeah. over all over the state. We're very f- fortunate, I think, uh, um, you know, to have these people. At, at the top of the tree. Absolutely. Now, Division 2 is also in action this afternoon. Yes, Division 2. Uh, we'll just have a look at the games in Div 2. That's, uh, a, again, a very, very competitive league with uh, each each week some surprises popping up. Uh, Joondalup City taking on Curtin Uni uh, at Joondalup. Bal- Balga uh, taking on Canning. Uh, that'll be a Another close contest. Gosnell's taking on Kelmscott, the uh, the Hills Derby. Uh, that, that'll be a big big game for the locals down there. Woodmills, uh, Morley Woodmills taking on Shamrock. Uh, a tough tough. Caramar uh, Shamrock. Caramar Shamrock. That's yeah. it. Yes, the uh, the newly aligned. Uh, well, what do you want to call it? Amalgamation. Yeah. Our amalgamation team. Yeah, which is maybe the way for the future. We'll we'll, mm. uh, we'll wish them well. Kingsley, uh, the newly promoted amateur team, uh, taking on Dianella. Um, Kingsley Westside, I think it is, isn't it? Kingsley Westside, yes, yeah. yeah. And but, and the um, Bobby Despotoski coached Dianella. Dianella, yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about coaching uh, ability. Wow, you know, yeah. big, big Bobby down doing his best for the Dianella boys. That, and, and an outside shout, if Popper has gone to Greece, um Bobby, yeah, Bobby's yeah. been mentioned. Yep, I wouldn't. I wouldn't write him off. Um, yeah, I, I think Bob's up for the job. So uh, you know, fingers crossed for him. Bob, Bobby or Coini? Oh, you know, they'd make a good team. Yeah, you know, good cop, bad cop. They, they definitely um, I'd, a I'd dynamic s- duo. There dynamic you go. Duo, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and then the final game there is uh, Murdoch taking on Wanneroo. Um, that that will be uh, at. The Murdoch University, good old mum against Wanneroo. But mm. um, we've also got uh, some great games happening um, in the women's NPL, Sean, which I'll just go through now uh, yep. while we're doing the little checks on what's happening out there. Um, so the women's, uh, oh, here we go. Sorry, this Riveting radio, Don. Yeah, mate, honestly, that, that, <laughs> that, that terrible, what's it called, that word, um, silence. Yeah. Horrible. Now, it, it, struggling to get it up. I'll, All right, I'll we'll do it, up we'll do it after we spoke to Mark. So yep. we'll go to a break and we'll be back after these with Mark Twamley of Forestfield. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. 
your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Now, we talked about 2020 being such a, a shocking year for everything, but, you know, I think nothing rocked local community football more than the passing of Rod Banjack. Um, you know, we've all had dealings with Rod along the way and all respect and love the man, and no one more than the, the, our next guest in, Mark Twamley of Forestfield. Mark, good morning. How are you? Mark, good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning, Kent. How are we doing? Good. Um, we're just saying that the passing of Rod Banjack touched us all, but um, probably your club more than most, even though he was at Dianella, um, you had a, a huge connection with Rod. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm overplaying it in saying that Rod was really the spiritual leader down here at Forry for a number of years. Mm. Um, in recent history, he'd joined the club when we were really struggling at the bottom of Div 2, there was, there was a chance that, that we were possibly going to lose our state league status. And he, uh, he basically brought us up from the depths of state league, uh, state league Div 2 into the NPL. Um, and he did that without a checkbook in his pocket, which uh, mm. if you can name a coach that can do that um, in these times, uh, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I thought last weekend was a, a wonderful tribute to him because it wasn't just the the one game, which was the game against Frio, but um, the whole weekend was dedicated to Rod. Yeah, look, um, his passing deeply affected the club. Um, it's amazing how many people he touched here. And, you know, he wasn't just a head coach. He, he gave everybody the impression he was their friend. Mm. Um, he knew your partners and wives and girlfriends. He knew your kids. He knew what they were up to. He had this amazing ability to retain all that information. He could wander around the club on a Sunday, which he still did, even though he was down at Dianella. He, he still came down to Forry on a Sunday and said hello to everyone and asked about how they were going. It, uh, it deeply affected us all. So, you know, last weekend was something... Uh, you know, I was so proud of the club that everybody came together and, and joined together to pay tribute to the great man. And uh, and it'd be remiss of me uh, without also mentioning uh, Fremantle City, who came and participated in the day um, very respectfully. Um, to our local neighbours down at Kalamunda, who sent a team of juniors to participate in the walk-on, and of course to uh, Perth Glory, where uh, Rod coached for some time with Future Glory. And uh, they kindly sent a team of juniors to participate in the walk-on as well. So it, it was a, a great day. The weather was fantastic. We had a huge crowd here. And uh, and I think it was very fitting uh, in our tribute to uh, the contribution that the man has made to not only our club, but football in Western Australia. I heard there wasn't a dry eye in the uh, stadium there, Mark, when uh, Rod's voice was booming in that interview he did with... Uh Eamon Duffy and uh, the team at Let's Talk Football, it was just uh, very, very emotional. Yeah, look, when, we, when we planned this event, um, you know, we just wanted it to be simple but powerful. Mm. And so, you know, when I had a chat to Eamon and, uh, and he very kindly in his own time went away and, and edited Rod's last interview and presented it in in such a beautiful way, a beautiful tribute. Mm. And when the great man said goodbye, 
um, any old man I'm choking up now, when mm. he said goodbye in his own voice, in his own words, mm. at the end of that interview, was uh, it was just a beautiful moment. And uh, and there was a lot of big, grown, tough men that I've uh, seen wander around a soccer field, and uh, and they were they were wiping their eyes, and um, it was yeah. a wonderful day. But, um, you know, onward and forward for Forest Field, this year's been a, a really, uh, let's call it, uh, exciting year for the club in terms of on-field performance. Um, really uh, up there, showing showing that Forrie's uh, serious about uh, getting themselves ready for next year when, uh, when the promotion window opens up again. Uh, aspirations to come back up bigger and better and stronger for next year? Look, absolutely. Um, the, the, the COVID thing um, really made us realign our goals um, for this season. Um, and the, the, the club management, along with Norma and his team, sat down and, and really this is one big pre-season for next year. Yep. Um, we understand that we do have a few ageing legs in the squad and we needed to put time into some of our juniors and younger players and encourage them to come forward. So we've included a number of, of youngsters in our squad. I think uh, I think eight out of our um, first team squad are, um, are either Forestfield juniors or, or spent some time in our development program. Um, so yeah, everything's looking towards next next season. Uh, but of course, Normo's a winner, and he never takes <laughs> never takes the part without thinking they can get three points or a win. So um, so we're really pleased with with where we're sitting at the moment. Um, we, again, we're suffering a few injuries um, with some of our uh, our stars of the team, if you like. So we're still suffering with uh, Reese Loxley hasn't played for a while. Uh, Jamie Street is recovering from a knee. Um, and, of course, Daryl Platten did an Achilles a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and Ben Wante is, is still on the bench with, uh, with a thigh strain. So, you know, if, if this game today was... Um, was a was a promotion type game, then those players, um, probably with the exception of Daryl, may have made some sort of contribution. But uh, but no, we're uh, we're again going to put some pressure on our youngsters and get them to step up. Mm. And uh, and as we say to them, you know, every game, every minute of a game that you get into your legs at this level will be a benefit for you going forward. And uh, and I think when we start forming the squad for next year, it's going to be very competitive and uh, and hopefully very successful for us. Yeah, a North- huge game this afternoon, though. Yeah, against Western Knights. Oh, it's a good barometer. Yeah. You know? you, you, you're at home against uh, uh, pretty much this year's favourites to, to win mm. the uh, the league. Um, th- th- this is the sort of test you, you want to put your, young, your, your best young ones up against. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Gordana and the team down at Western Knights um, have assembled a, a wonderful uh, and strong, talented squad, um, and they'll be strong favourites next year. But um, but as you say, it's a great opportunity to uh, to throw our team in and, and show us what they can do in front of the uh, the Forry faithful um, here at Hartfield Park. And I'm expecting a really a really good game. As I say, if if there was a promotion on the line. We might have uh, adjusted the team slightly, but um, but we're still putting a, a quite a strong unit out there. Um, lots of young kids in the team, and uh, let's show us what you've got. Absolutely, I think yeah. You know, we talk about this COVID season being a little different. The, you've got this game, and then one next week, and that's the the first round over. So it'd be nice to end up at top of the pile in in that 
uh, section of the comp, then all the scores are are leveled and uh, the top six play off against each other. So, um, again, it's just a a new or a kind of new season again, and you've got to step up. You can't just rely on on past results to get you in that next phase. Well, Normo thrives on that type of scenario. He he was the master of getting his uh, uh, teams ready for the business end of the season, and that's that's where you 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 know his. Coaching. That's his at, forte. That's his forte, and yeah. and Forestville having a man like that down there is just fantastic for the club. Yeah, look, um, you know, there's lots of opinions as there always is about <laughs> the format of this year's season. Um, but um, what's great again with, with the policy of trying to uh, put some miles into the legs of our, our younger players. The final five games of the season, we know, will be ultra competitive. Mm. Um, mm. Normo does not like to lose, and he likes that siege mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he wears a furrowed brow um, <laughs> quite often um, when he thinks it's us against the world, and mm. uh, and he counts the number of injuries and this and that and the other. And, but um, that's all part of his master plan, I think. And mm. he, he he has this ability. I I, I know um, when he was out for a while and. And then he was he was coming back into the team, and I spoke to some of the senior players, not only those that he brought into Forry, but those Forry mm. guys that have been there, been here for a while, and they said he he just has this amazing ability to make you feel so special, and to make you feel as though you're the most important uh, person in the team, and that the whole team's relying on you, and uh, mm. how you can do that with uh, with 16 first team players. Mm-hmm. Um, is just an amazing talent and, uh, and, and one that talent. he shares with Rod. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say Rod was exactly the same. Mm. I mean, the, both of them engender a cult-like following and I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm. Um, you know, they've got players that will crawl through broken glass for them yeah. and, and that's what you need. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, you know, to all the budding head coaches out there, they can collect all the qualifications in the world and have all the certificates and letters after their name. But if you're not a special man manager, um, then you're going to struggle. Um, there's some wonderful, wonderful development coaches out there that, that we know um, and struggle to take the next step into first-team coaching because the one thing missing from that armour is that, um, dare I say it, that little touch of lunacy mm. that separates um, a technical coach from a, from a good head coach. Oh, definitely. And that good head coach has that ability to identify everything that motivates all the different individuals in that team to bring them together and, and become one unit. Yeah. And if you can find the secret to that, you uh, hold on to it. Now, we were talking earlier about uh, Rod's legacy and, and him getting you into the MPL. What have you learned from, from that experience? Um, you went in there um, very brave and you know there was a whole range of things that you um, did and at the end of it, even though you did everything the right way, um, you still didn't succeed. And, and a lot of people said you didn't spend enough money. I think you spent the money that you could and spent it wisely. Um, is there anything you've actually learned from that that whole process? Uh, look, I think you hit the nail on the head there. There was a number of other things going on in the club at the time, and, uh, and, and you know we don't need to rake those no. sort of things up. But we probably did miss an opportunity in the window to strengthen a little. Um, uh, did we have the mate for that? Mm, it, it depends. I, um, Borry is a club that 
doesn't have those huge financial supporters. We we self-generate. We we sustain ourselves with with what we make internally within the club. We have some wonderful sponsors that have been rusted on with us for some time now. Um, but but they're mum and dad sponsors mm. um, by far. So we we have a self-sustaining model. Now, what that means, of course, is that we can't buy our way into the NPL. And uh, when we do get an opportunity to get back there again, um, we can't go free spending in order to sustain ourselves. So we have to have a combined model of developing our youngsters and then holding on to some of the good players we've got. And we try and do that through the environment, the atmosphere that we create down here. Um, you talk to guys like uh, like Trent Kay um, and Daryl Platten that have been long-term NPL players for some time, yep. and they'll tell you that they they haven't been in a club environment like it. Mm. So we, we use that as a badge of honour to try and say, well, we might not be the biggest payers down here, but you'll operate in a wonderful environment. The facilities are good, the people are great, the support is wonderful, and we look after our players in more ways than just cash. So... That's, that's the model that we operate on. Is that going to be a good enough model to get us back into the MPL? I, I hope so. I think we're there and thereabouts. Um, but, you know, it, to try and find that huge cash injection that keeps you at the top of the MPL, um, that's, uh, that's a, an altogether different conversation and a huge challenge. Um, and, and one that is very fragile, may I say. Mm. Um, this time of post-COVID, um, we know that the uh, economy and the environment in which we, o- we operate in is going to be severely affected. Mm. Um, you look at what's happening with the A-League and, and everything that trickles down from that. So, you know, are clubs that rely on huge cash injections, are they sustainable during COVID? Uh, you're going to have to hope that their benefactors are, um, are willing to keep stumping up every year, or do we want our clubs similar to Forry, similar to Kingsway, uh, similar to other models around the place where we're self-sustaining and we don't necessarily rely on um, huge uh, benefactors. Um, t- to be honest, I, I think in the, in the coming years to come, these are the models that are going to be um, successful, I, I, I hope. I, I totally agree with you and I, yeah. I think it'd be nice for you to be back up there in the NPL with you know eight kids that were in your... Um, youth development program who are now the backbone of your first team in the MPL and you know maybe if, even if it's not champions of the MPL but at least surviving with with that because the culture is to, to keep players not to lose players and I think one of the, the sad things about MPL is it's created an environment of player movement which we don't really need or want. Well that's true you know Rod was very strong on this he he didn't like the coldness of the MPL in terms of the connection with community and and the focus on community that so many clubs have around the suburbs. Um, you know, if you if you need to spend a couple of hundred grand to win a, a nine grand trophy, that that just doesn't make sense yeah, in anybody's language. It's dumb, dumb so, business. Dumb business. Yeah. It, it is, and yeah. and you look at the you know the top of the the English Premier League, for instance, and you have to spend millions and millions of mm. uh, of pounds or euros or dollars, however you want to call it, in order to get to that top of the tree. And is that what you want to spend your money on? I would much rather 
keep investing in junior programs and facilities mm. and maintain that sense of community that we have and a number of other clubs have around the place mm. than trying to just focus on uh, on going into a into a, an MPL and buying a first team. Mm. Um, you know, we know that when the salary cap was dismissed, and that's a whole new conversation for another day, but when the salary <laughs> cap was, was dismissed, everybody's um, player payment bill went up by at least 30 to 40% mm. for the same players. Yeah. So ha- how was that benefiting the game in Western Australia? I, I think there are better models out there, mm. um, and, and I think we, we can get there if we've got the right determination and the right spirit to enforce that uh, across the footballing community. How important is the relationship you have with uh, local government, uh, the council there, very supportive, the uh, the, the local, um, call it politicians, also, um, you know, m- making their presence felt and uh, there to offer assistance when the club needs it. Um, is, is this a relationship that's, um, you know, going to be there for a long, long time? Well, I, I certainly hope so. It all comes back to you know club philosophy of being a a, um, a very proud member of the community down here in Forestfield and the city of Kalamunda, and and part of that is includes having a great relationship with local government and with with our state government representatives. Um, you know, I'll continually bang my drum uh, whenever I get the opportunity that the, that the health of a community is measured by the investment in its sport and recreation facilities. And, and and let's put the elite side of football to one side for the moment, but football in Western Australia exists for the you know 99.98% of players who will continue to suit up on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon playing for their local clubs. And if we can engage our kids um, in maintaining their presence in sport and recreation, then a lot of other community issues tend to uh, fade away. Mm. Uh, it was one of the points I made to a number of the junior teams when I was thanking them after the, the tribute last week is that you know, when there's time of grief, when there is time of suffering, when there's issues in the community, uh, if you can come together as a group, as a team, and... Um, acknowledge the problem and look for common solutions, then these issues go away. And that's what sport and that's what football is all about for 99.98% of those of us who participate in the sport and administrate sport. Mm. I must admit, though, I've seen a lot more engagement with council at Forestfield than when I was back there between 88 and 98. So back then it was very much a Aussie Rules Council. The, the football club got next to nothing from council. Um, I think you're, you're underselling yourself when you, you say, oh, I keep banging on the door. You, you haven't banged on the door. You've, you've jammed your foot in it and they can't close it on you now. And I think that's, that's uh, a testament to you and your committee. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, look, it's uh, Stephen Price is our local member of parliament down here, and uh, as I continually say to him, we have a social media reach of well over four thousand uh, people here in Forestfield, which is uh, which is at least a couple of ballot boxes for him. Mm. Um, so I continually remind him of the um, the reach that we have in the local community. Um, we, we try and be good neighbours down here at Hartfield Park. As you know, you've got AFL over the back. We're community citizens. Rugby. Yeah. Mm. You've got two rugbies. You've got the yep. cricket all playing at the same facility. And we all need to work together 
to uh, to provide these facilities for everyone in the community, no matter which form of, of football or sport they want to take. So and you're right, the, the city understands where we're at. And it helps if you're in a marginal seat as well, I suppose. I mean, um, <laughs> if you're in a, if you're in a safe Labor seat, you said you get nothing. Um, <laughs> I know we put in with some bids before, which the the Liberals only gave out to marginal seats, and you know you, you miss out on those. Then um, when Labor are in, you miss out because you're still a safe Labor seat. So I think, in general, though, we do not make enough of the political muscle that we as as individual clubs at a local council level can can move and we don't make enough of it across the state or nationally as a body as a united body. as a united body there's mm. there's not enough i mean the, you talk about you know a couple of thousand votes in um the local government but right down to the to your borough seats um you know the a hundred or fifty can make a massive difference to whether a councillor gets elected or not. So we we need to politicise. We need to you know be a bit more like Jerry Adams with the ballot box and maybe not the bomb. But um, <laughs> you know we we do need to politicise ourselves a lot more and lobby politics much much better. I know Peter Philopoulos did so over in Victoria, and that's really where I see Football West needing to to grow and and start knocking on the door of government. You're spot on, and that's the difference in mindset. Um, and I think it's it's the clubs that see themselves as participating in the community and therefore participating in the discussion around local government and state government. Um, you need to keep focused on that. If your eye is purely just on a prize of winning a trophy and you're not connecting with local government, um, then you're not going to get that assistance. You're not going to get the uh, grant monies to help build the facilities. You know, we continually talk to um, the city and local government about, you know, the need to maintain our facilities, about attracting kids down to play football. Yeah. And uh, and our members um, also vote. So uh, it just makes sense. And it's been proactive. I mean, uh, I think the day after the uh, Women's World Cup was announced as it's been in Australia, you were onto your council saying, um, "You you okay with us becoming one of the training centres for one of the national teams? Should should that happen? Um, yeah, you didn't waste any time. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, we were actually in the original bid document from uh, yeah. from sort of twelve months before the the uh, announcement was made. But of course, once the announcement was made, it was then reminding um, both local and state government that, you know, the Women's World Cup, I think it was the, the third most viewed event um, the last time it, it, it was held mm. behind the Olympic Games and the Men's World Cup. So this is not just about football. This is an opportunity to showcase uh, the country and the state and the city of Kalamunda and, uh, and everything that goes with it. So, um, you know, th- this is not about me getting benefits for Forestfield United. This is about, hey, this is an opportunity for us all to sell ourselves on the world stage. And, uh, and post-COVID is going to look very different. And, uh, and we're, we're very unfortunate living where we do that at this stage we, uh, we're in a fairly comfortable position and we need to leverage that um, the best that we can. And, uh, and, and admittedly, for some people in local government, that they're just not aware of the reach that a, a global event like the Women's World Cup uh, can have. So we need to remind them of that. Absolutely. Mark, thank you very much for your time. Um, thank you for the tribute to, to Rod last week. I think, you know, 
all of us, every time we mention his name, we, we just feel a little sadder inside. Um, but, you know, again, celebrate that we even knew the man. So we were very fortunate and thank you for your time. Look, <clears throat> we miss him every day and uh, and we will continue to do so. But uh, but certainly while we're still here, we'll, we'll keep pushing his philosophy on football and life. And that was to uh, to love the game, to have passion for the game and to love the community in which you live in. Absolutely. Yeah, Thank well you, said, Mark. Mark. Thanks, gentlemen. All the best. Bye. See you. Mark Twamley and some wise words there from Rod Banjack, who, yeah, we all do sadly miss. But, yeah, what a wonderful bloke. Yep. He's left an impression on all of us, mate. He's mm. gone but never forgotten. Absolutely. Now, you've managed to um, kick yes. the gremlins out of your computer. Yeah, and... I've got the gremlins out and we've got the uh, the ladies' <laughs> Good, um, Pen, Pen wouldn't forgive you if you didn't get them oh, in. Oh, dear me. The, the girls will be just <laughs> giving me a hard time. Hyundai NTC Women uh, this Sunday at 12.30, taking on Fremantle City uh, at Celebration Park at their home ground. Uh, Northern Redbacks at Kingsway Reserve this game on Sunday at 3 o'clock against Balcatta Football Club. That's um, That'll be a, a great contest. Both both teams are very, very uh, uh, exciting to watch and uh, will make an impression this game here uh, between Northern Redbacks and Balcatta. Subi taking on Perth Soccer Club. Perth Soccer Club uh, first season in the uh, the Women's League and uh, having a very, very good uh, uh, Good crack at it. They've uh, definitely shown um, a lot of ability, and uh, last week had a had a uh, very good win at, against Fremantle, a one nil victory. Curtin University taking on sorry that game Subi against Perth is at Rosalie Park uh, this Sunday at three pm. Curtin Uni uh, taking on Murdoch University Melville Football Club. Good old mum against so two. Of the unis, the the battle of the the unis curtain against Murdoch at Edinburgh Oval at five p.m. So uh, an evening twilight game. Sounds like uh, it'll be a nice evening out there at um, Edinburgh Oval. So get down there and watch the girls. Very very competitive league. Um, I'll just have a look at the uh, the ladder in that league, Sean. Just yep. um, very very tight. Uh, Mum on top with nineteen points. Uh, Perth Soccer Club uh, on their tail with 16, Northern Redbacks 14, Hyundai NTC Women 12, Balcatta Football Club 11 and Fremantle City Football Club on 10. Uh, Then Curtin on 4 and Subi at the base level on 2 points. That's the Women's League for this week. Yeah, look, it's it's great to see the the women's NPL growing. I mean, I think one of the the successes through COVID has been that competition. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's the first season. There's a lot of new clubs in there, um, and you know, just getting some equilibrium into it is is going to take a little while. It is, but I think the positive sign is the success or you know early uh, success of Perth Soccer Club showing the NPL clubs uh, who were traditionally focused on the men's football uh, that women's football is an area that they should take seriously and uh, and get their um, get their ladies uh, in that comp and um, you know make, make it a, a stronger league so that everyone's basically uh, benefiting from it because the the growth in in numbers in women's uh, football was just uh, huge. So um, hopefully that's a sign for all of the NPL and and state league clubs. That, uh, oh, look, I think it's just that, that professionalisation of that league, the, the, the 
the better facilities, the better coaching, the, the introductions of sports scientists and the other bits and pieces that you need to be part of a an NPL setup will will certainly resonate through the leagues. And, you know, um, you look at a team like Fremantle that have been around for forever in ladies football at a very good level. Mm. Um, and this year they've they've not run away with it. Um, Subiaco again have, have also had a, a strong connection with ladies teams and unfortunately they're, they're sitting there at the bottom but that that will change. Oh yeah, it's like uh, it, like all things. You you know, the word patience comes into play, and you've got to uh, you know just be serious mm. in your determination to make things better. But it's nice to see that not all of the um, older established clubs are at the, the top of the the field, and that that you know the yeah everyone's a chance. Everyone everyone's lifting the game, and that's yeah. that's what it's about. It's all about elevating the, the game and, and making it better for everybody else. Yeah. All right, we're going to go a break, and we'll be back after these with um, Sid. Amphit from um, ECU and a very exciting um, direction they're taking in Mm. junior football. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. All right, we're back in the room, Don. Um, one of the, we talked about all the exciting announcements this week and all the things that are happening, you know, uh, Messi in Barcelona and all the other bits and pieces going on. But the, the biggest news for me this week was that ECU Joondalup Soccer Club will scrap registration fees for young footballers playing in the WAMPL um, for next season. And um, that's just astounding. So the man responsible for it is joining us now on air, Steve Amplit. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good morning, everybody. How are you? Real good, good mate. How are you travelling out there? Uh, a beautiful day for football at the campus? Beautiful day. Hope for the maximum 300. I hope everybody drinks, enjoys, ECU win. That's all you can ask for, eh? <laughs> just, just living the... Messi, apparently, apparently, late news in, Lionel Messi has just signed for Stoke. He can do it on a wet Tuesday night in Stoke-on-Trent. Mate, I, I heard he signed for Canning Vale, but there yeah, you go. Yeah, mate. <laughs> West, West Ham supporters I, are the biggest I dreamers. So. I, 
I hope so, mate. I uh, hope so. Mate, this is fantastic news, uh, Sid, uh, in, in respect of this initiative to scrap registration fees for the young fellas and uh, they only pay for their kits. That's um, yep. Yeah, tell us a bit about it, mate. How did uh, this evolve for, for the club? Oh, well, obviously you have to remember, you know, the, the old brigade, as I've said before on other radio shows, the old brigade is fading out now, those oldies, and we've got new, young, vibrant energy in the club. Uh, you know, a new younger president, probably, you know, one of the top coaches in Australia is the coach, got some fantastic ideas, and we want to support that, you know, is um, we want to give everybody the opportunity. You, you know where it is, Don, I've been here for ages. I'd, You know, I'm in admiration of all the clubs. I don't think $1,400 covers what's needed. I, however, I agree with you, yeah. Yeah, so however, you know, is, you know, we've been advocates for years. I hear people saying the first team have eat, um, you know, but the fees are not high enough and we're working every year. What we give back every year, we, we home and away kit every year, every year that they keep, a polo shirt, a tracksuit, a bag, you know, you know, that that, that will be limited in, in somewhat because they don't need them. I've probably got six jackets myself. Mm-hmm. So where we are, is with new people, new energies. We've we've made the decision um, to do this, and it's not a one year. Hopefully, it's it's for a few years. Um, we need there's some work to be done, but we can't keep waiting for you know the FFA or the uh, Football West. Uh, you know those decisions are not coming. Those 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 um, that money isn't being uh, f- uh, fed down to the the MPL. Yeah. I've said before, I believe the MPL is, is a fantastic league, one below the A-League. Mm. Yeah. And somebody has to take the initiative, and I understand that other clubs might not be able to do it, but it'll be, you know, we want to give players an opportunity to play at the highest level they can and not be, not be uh, frozen out by the cost of it. No. Now, that's going, to be, that's going to take a lot of work done, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the sponsors have been, you know, the sponsorship has been fantastic. Yep. But, but do, you want, you... do you want to do you want to join? I can talk forever, you know that. But yeah, do you want to join in, mate? Yeah, give, yeah absolutely. Give, just so. give us the rundown. I, uh, I, the questions I have for you are: I mean, yeah. the, people go on about the the cost of of junior football, and I know that even if you're charging fourteen hundred, it doesn't cover the cost. When you look at what it would cost to keep someone like Kenny Lowe on a full time wage, what it would cost um, to run the club, and what it costs to to be in the comp. You you do not do that money. Someone somewhere along the line has to pay for this. Um, so yeah, so yeah, where where's that money coming from? I mean, you're not the well-heeled benefactor, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the one benefactor. No, no. Uh, that that'd be silly. Uh, and there are several benefactors. But however, the, you know, as I've spoke before, when you look at the sponsorship, the money can come from sponsorship. What what needs to be, we need to be better at it, right? Mm-hmm. So before, you know, five years ago, we take some sponsors' money, thank you very much, and then do nothing. Mm-hmm. What do them sponsors get for the money? Yeah. Nothing, really. You know, it's a little invoice, and hopefully they claim it back on tax. But we're trying to give something back. We, we've certainly got a very uh, proactive uh, sponsorship team. Uh, I've said before, they don't do it for nothing. Uh, what happens is you can have 100% of nothing or you can have 80% of whatever. So we do give commissions. Yeah. And, uh, but they don't, they don't do it just for that. And also, we give back to the sponsors now. So, but Steve, you know, Credentia, yeah. You, you say they don't do it just for that. But if they did, 
who cares? You're still getting 80% of whatever there is. So, you know, I, I, you know, things cost money. And yes, there are some very good people out there like yourself, like Don, who for years have given all their time and effort for nothing. But when you're looking at the, the line, someone like Kenny Lowe with his experience and knowledge and his ability, um, that has to be paid back somewhere along the line. You can't expect Kenny to, to put in 40 to 60 hours a week and then go, well, sorry, Ken, you, you've still got to work for, for a well, living. Well, you know, I'll, I'll differ you somewhat there. <laughs> Kenny does put 60 hours a week but doesn't mm. get 60 hours a week money for it. You no, know, I know that, that. That's his decision. Yeah. You know, it, it's certainly, certainly not a full-time job for Kenny. So, Kenny, you know, in football at this level, you have to make sacrifices. He, he knows... You know, uh, myself and Pete Stewart and Steve Wheatley and John Higgins have, have done it for years. And, and we've got new people on board now who, who've got the same objectives. And that is to create an environment where the minimum is we can we can get footballers playing MPL football uh, and, and going on from there playing in Australian A-League or going back overseas again. That quality has diminished over the years. And, and again, we need the help. We need proactive Football West, Football Australia. Uh, we've got too many academy teams. We, that's the next job. We have to look at the number of academy teams. We have to bring back the competition to make it the best it can. We well, have to start somewhere. Yeah. So we've taken the initiative to start. But let me tell you, we, you know, we need other people involved. We need, we need the governing bodies. We, you know, oh, yeah. we, they keep on about. They keep on about. There's going to be this. There's no money flowed down any from anybody. No. So, so what's your thoughts on? What's your thoughts on a private academy? Someone who's just out there, um, are they taking money from the game or are they developing footballers? I don't, I don't comment on private. I've told you before, I'm not here to criticise or anybody who's trying to make any money. I don't comment on private academies. I concentrate on, I've told Don before and I've told other people, yeah. concentrate on the NPL, concentrate everything positive. What people do to make a living, that's up to them. But we don't do anything on the campus privately right so whatever they do away from there that's their business right i'm only interested in you know in the mpl and making the mpl as good as it is you know as my, you know i'd like i've said to you know the new people at ecu i've probably got a year and a half yeah. and then i'd like to do something else away from ecu that you know an advocate for the game itself whether they're brave enough to take me on i'm not sure <laughs> i'm a bit like don bit outspoken so- don never got to the, to the position he should have been in football locally, and probably I won't be because I'm too outspoken. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what sort of a uh, is it a two, three, four, five night week program for these kids? It, or is... it, it, it's a it's a five year plan. Yeah. Involving Kenny and his team, you know, where we'll you know, it's, you have to remember. Everybody needs to understand the core. We've already got a very good academy. Oh yeah. And the core will remain. What we're trying to create. Is a, is an opportunity for all these good players, right? Yeah. And that shouldn't be shouldn't be just to one team. There should be that elite of twelve teams, like it was. We, we've lost somewhere along the line with you know all the teams we have trying to call themselves academy clubs, being forced to pay technical directors when they let's face it, they haven't really got the quality. I'm only concentrating on ECU. There's a five year plan. Uh, there's money to raise through sponsors, no doubt about that. Uh, but everything I've done before, we will make it work. Mm. Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard work. I can see there's new people, new presidents. Instead of going, you know, Don, Don's the same. We've been to meetings and it's all too hard. But now we've been a little bit, I'm always a half cup full man. 
Yep. Yeah, yep. I, I, love, I love the football I'm watching on a Saturday. Everybody's happy. Um, for ninety nine percent of the people, the money doesn't affect them. Mm. No, uh, well, well, there's a few people there. There's a people there who said, you know, let's do something about this. Mm. And I love Kenny. Kenny's made making it happen because it's Kenny. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, the yeah. name's there. But let me tell you, he puts the work in. Dave Butterfield puts the work in. Mark Scanlon, these people. We've got two fantastic people from the, the uni. Uh, who were already employed by the university. The university have been fantastic themselves. We've got yeah. a great association with them. That all helps. That, that, we've got something perhaps other clubs haven't got where they've got to pay a, you know, a, a lease every month. We pay their lease up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a long, long-term lease there. They're very supportive of what we're doing. They, they know what we're trying to achieve about putting players. You know, Kenny's had players in the Australian team. We've had players... So it's a good good combination. Mm. It's a good model for all clubs to learn from, Sid. I mean, what you're doing is, you know, you're actually showing a, no, a, a pathway I forward. I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, I know where where it's going. Anybody who says to me, drives me mad when they go, the first team have the money and this, that. And let me tell you, I say no. to everybody, no first team, yep. nothing else matters. Correct. That's your so short your front team, window. Yeah. Your first team is your showcase. You That's go, correct. the money goes into a pot. There shouldn't be two pots anyway. Your money goes into a pot. Yep. You've only got so much money to spend. And let me tell you, if that team gets relegated, yep. like Sterling, mm. and see what happened to them, yep. you've got a problem. Yes. Right? So yep. I, I argue with everybody. Uh, we go, no money goes from the juniors because there's not enough money in the junior money yep. at $1,400 to pay for everything we need to do. But mm. what needs to do now, we're working harder off the pitch. Mm. So I'm more concentrating. My team is more off the pitch. And, there's, and, there's, and, and then Kenny does his football side. And we all get together and, um, you know, we all have a, a disagreement and this, that, way. but we've all got one common goal. And the common goal is what we've, what we've come out with. And going forward, we will need help from Football West. We will need help from Football Australia. They have to become proactive. They can't keep making excuses for reasons why we can't make football better. I keep hearing things. Mm. The disastrous 4-3-3 we went through for 10 yeah. years. Yeah. When we had coaches from Holland and we were told to play 4-3-3. Three, three. Mm. They need to listen to people like us who, mm. who know the football. Kenny Lowe, the experience he's had, they need to listen to him. Yeah. We, you know, we've, we've Tony, because of Kenny's contacts, Tony Franken calls in yep. and helps out and talks to our keepers. Tony Franken, yep. he's the Australian goalkeeping coach. That's it. Uh, Tony, Tony so, Franken helps out with with quite a few clubs. He's, yeah. he's a very generous person, is Tony. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. You know, you go like that. Oh, oh yeah, that's Tony Franken. Who? Yeah, that's him. Mm-hmm. He's the Australian goalkeeper coach. So, again, what he does and, and the expertise, you want to see the difference in Joe Pollard, 15 years old. I think he's playing first team today. Mm. 15 years old. The difference, he was already a very good keeper, by the way. Yep. Uh, and we've got high hopes for him. Mm. And hopefully he'll pay for everything. So, um, we want to sell him very soon. <laughs> mm. I like that. Everything's for sale at ECU. It's, it, no, no, but, but, but <laughs> you, you talk about that's me, that's me, that's me. It's the only yeah, way to be, mate. You talk about to we're talking to Mark Twamley. He's talking about sustainable business yeah. models. Yeah, yeah. Now, a sustainable business model is to do something like this. You've got your young keeper who you, you've got high hopes for. If you do sell him yeah. to an overseas club, the money that yeah. is made from that goes back into your junior development program. You do that once or twice every year, and all of a sudden, you've paid for the whole thing. Well, you know, now you're getting somewhere. So yeah. for 20 years I've been at the club, and what's happened is 
We've always had training development money, which some clubs know how to do it and some clubs don't. We've had, we've had the most players go overseas. That training development money is pumped back into the club. Always, that's what built the club out. Yep. That's what made us what we are today. We don't take, no money goes out. No. We, we try to, you know, for years we try to aim to be uh, a dollar in the pot. Let me tell you, if we if we owe a dollar, you've got a problem. We've been like that a few years, you know, like yep. most clubs. I think uh, like most clubs, uh, you know, not half full or half glass people. They're, we're just lucky we've got a glass people. Well, I, I, call it, I always call it the big five. There's a big yep. five at every club. There's a fantastic, there's a big five who, who will put their hand in the pocket where needed. And that's because of the, you know, people ask why. We just love it, don't we? But there'll be a, there's a point in there. But there's now new people come on board. The president's, you know, was involved in the UK to a high profile club and, He's very proactive, you know. He's talking to the, you know, talking to the right people. So, you know, is, um, you know, you look at the age of the team. You know, is a very young first team uh, playing the football. Kenny wants to play. I think, I think ninety nine percent of the people are happy with the way the first team are playing. And now we have to make, you know, the little subtle changes. Mm. And one of these is the subsidised fees. Uh, we can bring, we can add a few players, and what we're trying to do is just uh, help players to become, mm. achieve their aim of becoming the best they can be, and that's what we used to do, and, and, and we've lost away a little bit. And I, I think the way the game progresses is that people keep on raising the bar. A while ago, it was Perth, then Bayswater, now Gwellup, um, and yeah, yeah. and now. In the junior development side, ECU have always been the benchmark, and the only real competition you've got is yourselves. And yet, you've now doubled down on that, and and basically thrown out the challenge to everyone match it. Because if if everyone does match it, then you know what we're doing is developing footballers, which is really what we need to be doing. Because we're not investing in the youth, we're not investing in the game. Yeah, but don't let don't let's not let the government bodies. I've I've heard it all about questioning fees. The government, it's governing bodies questioning fees. I hate that. So do I. They, they can do what they want. But Steve, you, you, you try and phone, you try phone football Australia and have a, have a conversation with them. They won't talk to you. No, but open up the books and go. Okay, this is where this is where the the fourteen hundred dollars for for want of a number, and you could put whatever figure you like there. This is where it goes, and a lot of it is down to the the TD, the coach costs, and you know. It doesn't matter whether you've got one or five coaches, they cost money because you've got to remunerate those Every, people. And and what, what whatever happened, you're paying, Kenny, it's not... Two years? Yeah. What's happened in the last two years? Huddle, huddles come on board. Yeah. yeah. So the, the video analysis, it yeah. costs money. It doesn't matter whether it's Huddle or... We use Huddle. Right? Yeah. Very good. Everybody wants it. Yeah. Kenny come on board. I want the professional level. Yeah. It costs money. Of course you it does. Divide, you divide that... Technical directors cost money. I see these things on these websites, and they they, they don't they don't tend to not to include that. You know, it's so yeah. You know, it just drives me mad a little bit. It, it drives me um, barmy. It is people that have never yeah. sat in a club, never had to balance the finances of a club. That go, oh, it's all going to the first team players. Not a cent of it goes to the first team players. It goes to the club, yeah. and the club develops the players. But the costs and you, if you were relying on your junior fees to to run your club, you'd never get out of the Sunday leagues. Yeah. Well, you know, we go back to go the other way uh, when the teams buy the best players. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, di- I didn't agree with the point system. I didn't agree with the salary cap. At the end of the day, best team should win. And, and if you've got a, a, a generous man at a club who wants to put money in, 
to pay these players, I think it's fantastic. It just I, raises I it's the great. bar. It raises the bar. Yeah. When we stop bringing overseas players in, we've reduced the overseas players because we think one of... People, let me tell you, people don't want to pay $10, I'm sorry, to watch under-18s play first team. Mm. They want to, they'll pay ten dollars to see when we bought um, Gordon in, yeah. and he'd been at Hearts. Mm. He raised the bar when we bought when we bought Nicolin. He raised the bar. Yep, yep. They the sort of people they want to see, and those people cost money. I have no problem with that. No, it's quality. It's all about quality. If you if you want to get the people back yeah. to watch these, you yeah. know, our, our top shelf games, and we got to go back to making our football a top shelf um, uh, product. It's it, it just can't be yeah. a youth development league or no. or call it. I mean, but the, have but youth just, development? Just, have the youth yeah, development? I just don't want to. I just don't want to give up on it because I really believe in the MPL. I believe in the quality. Sure. You know, I hear, the, I hear all the old guys 20 years ago, we could have beaten you, yeah. There's no <laughs> point in even having an argument with him, you know. It's, <laughs> nothing can be proved. This team was better than your team. Yep. It is what it is. It is. It yeah. is a tough league. I love it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but they've ruled out a lot of the stuff, Steve. I mean, the, the, the old 20 yard sliding tackle, tackling from behind, the, the, the odd yeah. elbow here, yeah. they've all been ruled out, ruined the game completely. <laughs> that's, that's why we beat them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steve. Look. I, used, I, used, I used to love them tackles from Dale McCullough, mate. They were yeah. 110%. Absolutely. That was all about. That was all about. That was about passion because, you know, that people like Dale could play football and he liked to tackle. And unfortunately, that side of the game's moved on, you know, and, and it's a shame. Steve, just moved on, mate, before, I mean? before we let him go, yeah. give, give us the uh, the score tip for today for all the punters out there that want to oh, get, get on ECU. What's the score tip? Come on. Come on. I'm not a very good tipper, but I'll say this. ECU now, with the team he's got, can beat anybody. So, so you will win by one goal or more? Uh, probably lose 2-1 now. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Steve. But we'll have a smile. Uh, look, I expect, I expect us to win 3-1. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tommy will score a, a hat-trick. Of course he will. And he still won't get... And he still won't get man of the man. <laughs> <laughs> Nepotism. He know, we, his dad knows too many people. That's how it works. <laughs> now, Steve. Uh, all good, On a serious point, mate. Look, thank you, Andy, right. see you, for, for raising the bar yet again for everyone. That's it, I showing hope, the way. I hope that other clubs see that and go, you know what, we've, we've got to do this now because it is the way forward. Um, and, yeah, we've got to develop the, the very best kids in the very best way. So uh, all, all power to you and, and best luck this afternoon, mate. Enjoy the day, Sid. We'll, we'll, let, you know, we'll let you know in 12 months when four people have all sold their houses and living in Holmes uh, West. All right, mate. Cheers. <laughs> see ya. See you, see you buddy. Bye. Bye. Okay, Steve Amphlett, and uh, look, a wonderful initiative by by the boys down there in ECU. Um, you An- know. Anything that makes it cheaper for the kids to play, that's what it's all about, Sean. Absolutely it yep. is. All right, Don, that's us for another week. Um, thank you for your input today. My pleasure, mate. Always fun. Yep, um, Lenny's going to follow us very shortly with the Jazz Show. Thank you for listening. Penny will be back next week. This has been the World Football Programme. I'm Sean Kelly, and I will see you in a – or you listen or hear you in a fortnight. Okay. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.